Good morning, day or night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Surviving the Drive podcast. Today, we are discussing the Brazilian Grand Prix. This is your favorite source of American-based F1 conversation, presented by me, Alex, and my co-host, Tyler. Let's race into it. <laughs> that was good. That was chaotic. That was chaotic. It was a little, it was, bit, little bit like this weekend. Yes, definitely a chaotic weekend. Um, I... I would say overall, you could argue this was the best like whole race weekend of the of the year. I think you know Silverstone comes to mind in terms of actual race that may have been better, but the whole weekend I think was insane with you know how qualifying went, the sprint race, and then the race itself. And we had a lot of chaos, a lot of not normal ordering for the finishers and in, in each part of the weekend. So I don't know what were your thoughts on the race. Yeah, I think it was a lot of fun to watch. I think you know throughout, especially the second half of this season, we've kind of hinted at a couple of races that were maybe just a little bit dull yeah uh, drivers kind of fall on their line and and it hasn't been a ton of action and i think especially between qualifying with some stunners there and then uh, a few mix-ups within the sprint race and then a, a really fun race to watch with a lot of drama and a lot of uh, overtakes and, and just you know up and down the order uh, all kinds of changes so a lot of fun to watch as a fan um and, and as a fan of particular teams maybe not some for others yeah i think some some fans had a bad weekend maybe but i think overall it was very exciting we got to see like this is the type of races we like to see because it's a, a big switch up and you're getting more drama and it's just nice to see you know not the normal order and the normal like way things would normally go yeah and it felt like it was the first time this season that it wasn't due to like penalties you know we had, yeah it was all on merit exactly yeah and it was just a lot of fun to watch actual competitive racing you know whereas typically it's been uh you know max having to drop back or the yeah. ferraris having to drop back because they're taking new units and i think we saw a lot of just coming back through the field and a lot of fun uh with the mix-up grid for really both races this weekend yeah for sure so i'll go ahead and read out the finishing order for the actual race and then we'll, we'll dive into quality to start but uh, for the race, we had uh, George getting his first ever win in Formula One, finishing in first. Uh, we had Hamilton in second and Sainz rounding out the podium. Uh, and then we had in the points Leclerc, Alonso, Verstappen, Perez, Ocon, Bottas, and Stroll. And then outside the points, we had Vettel, Zoe, Mick, Gasly, Albon, Latifi, and Sonoda. And then we had three DNFs this weekend uh, in the race, that is. We had Lando Norris, who, after suffering a, a bad case of food poisoning, uh, and what follows that ended up DNFing, uh, had an engine failure and uh, wasn't able to make it through the end of the race. Uh, Kevin Magnuson, our pole sitter for the sprint race, was unfortunately not able to finish even the first lap after coming into collision with Ricardo and ended up spinning and, and they both kind of collected themselves uh, into the wall. Both of them ended up retiring pretty early. So not too many, but uh, definitely mixed up the order when we did have incidents. Yeah, it definitely brought, you know, safety cars at, at kind of opportune times and it made things interesting at the beginning of the race and then throughout the race as well and throughout the race as well and you know that first safety car that that k-mag and ricardo kind of brought out there at the beginning that's really the drama car kind of started for the weekend but uh, i guess we'll start with with quality here so um obviously with the sprint format we had quality on friday um very interesting quality we had kind of dry and wet conditions throughout it uh kind of shifting back and forth and we got to see, you know, people on the inners, people on the slicks, and uh, it kind of caused for a big shift in the order. And I think, uh, you know, Q1 and Q2 kind of went pretty much status quo in terms of who got through um, and who didn't get through. You know, you had your typical people out in, in Q1 and Q2. I think the 
Alfa Romeo's were a bit of a surprise, both being out in uh, in Q1. But other than that, you know, the top 10 was your pretty typical, normal top 10 that we always see every week. Um, you know, maybe you could say K-Mag being in there was kind of a bonus. But, um, you know, at, once, K, or once Q3 started then, that's when the chaos really unfolded. Yeah, definitely. And it was, you know, chaotic, like you said, a lot of different strategies. Uh, we saw a hint of the the classic Ferrari from this season. Yes, uh, making a very poor decision with Leclerc, but uh, in the end, yeah, Magnussen ended up taking a, a great pole position after strategically going out on track first and uh, was able to get his dry run in before George beached himself and ended up causing a red red flag. Yeah, it was a great great job by Haas getting him out there when it was at its driest, and you know he had the the quickest run then, and then you know George was in P3 at the time, and then put it in the gravel, which I was joking about like with my brother. I was like, that's kind of like a big brain play, like just lock up Q3 and qualifying there. And then, cause it ended up raining more. And then there was no way anyone was going to fa- uh, set a faster time. But yeah, the real loser from that Q1 was Leclerc with Ferrari sending them out on the inters. In, he was the first car out on track, I think. And everyone else was on slicks, which was just a hilarious visual. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And, and even Leclerc was questioning that to his team and got some pretty funny replies, but yeah, a lot of people were talking about how George's incident might have been on purpose. And, you know, it takes us back through the entirety of the season and really a lot of history of, you know, purposeful incidents. But, yeah. you know, especially with in a season where drivers are complaining about bouncing around a lot with porpoising, to send himself flying through the gravel like that would be uh, pretty, pretty big brain for sure. If yes. That was on purpose. I Obviously, I don't think that was on purpose. No. You know, he was going barreling towards a wall there. So pretty rough incident, but definitely halted things and and allowed the rain to come down and and mix up that qualifying order. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, once, as soon as it happened, pretty much, I, you know, they had the radio of Magnuson where, you know, this team's like your P1 and they're like, we're not sure, but like, it seems like you're kind of going to get it because it just started raining more and more. And at that point it went to, to enters at that point, there was no way anyone was going to set a faster time. So Kind of a wild qualifying, and then we, you know, we had a pretty mixed up order. A lot of people out of places for the actual start of the sprint race. Then, uh, so obviously, K-Mag being the biggest on in on pole position, and then you had you know, like Leclerc, Perez, and Hamilton eight, ninth, and tenth, just because of where their runs landed. Uh, you know, Norris was able to, you know, even with being snicks or sick, sneak up to to fourth, which was kind of I don't know. The whole order was wacky just to start that sprint race. So um, once we got into the sprint race, then. I think everybody kind of knew and figured that K-Mag was going to drop back, you know, behind. For sure, the, you know, the top six was going to make its way up and make those places up. Just how far was he going to fall back? But to his credit, he did get a good start, and he did hold Max back for a few laps at least, which was pretty impressive considering the difference in car performance. But, uh, you know, a pretty clean a pretty clean getaway on the on the start of the, of the sprint race for everybody, and, uh, and then it kind of settled in from there. Yeah, certainly we had, you know, that start from Magnuson was really impressive. I think a lot of people were expecting Max to lead into that that first turn, and he was able to get it out in front and really hold his own up front while Max kind of had to defend from behind for a little bit. So uh, really good from him. I guess I didn't expect him to slide down as quickly once people started to go. Uh, And it was pretty unfortunate, but he said even after the race, you know, he was looking at that six, seven, eight uh, to try to hold on to, and he knew that's where his battle was. So Unfortunate that he wasn't able to get up there and get some really good points, but still secured one point, which is uh, pretty big down there where he and Haas are in the standings. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. It's going to make a difference uh, going into the final race this season in terms of Haas versus Alfa Tori. But 
Um, as we got into the sprint race, then our first kind of real incident, um, you know, we saw the, the Alpines have a little bit of a disaster. Um, this one is, it's kind of similar to what happened at, in the United States, but this one was obviously Alonzo's fault in this case. I think he, he just ran into the back of Ocon. Um, he had plenty of space on the outside to go around. I don't really know what he was doing, but, you know, coming down that main straight, Ocon's in front and just clips his front wing in the back of Ocon's tire and then ends up getting a penalty for it himself. Um, you know, blaming Ocon then and being like, I can't, you know, I can't believe this guy like this has happened all season. Like, and then after the race, he's like, you know, I only have one race left with him. So like, it's whatever. But I think that was definitely interesting to see. Cause that was like the first real double teammate incident we've seen this year. Or like that we've had like an actual like crash as a result, or somewhat of a crash as a result of it. And then it caused damage to Ocon and Alonzo who then fell way back in the order. Yeah. Huge ramifications for that. They actually came together twice. Uh, the first time being around that that turn one and yeah uh, alonzo got on the curb and it kind of fell away from him. his back end started to go and uh his front end went in towards Ocon, and i think he picked up a little bit of damage there and then yeah alonzo was able to get past him on the straight and had a lot of speed on him but for some reason didn't want to go around the car he wanted to go through so unfortunate for them you know they were up on the fringes of the points after qualifying and looking to get uh, up towards norris who was going to have you know what looked to have a good race uh, but unfortunate for them, they ended up sliding down. And I, I guess, you know, silver lining, they were able to make it back up a little bit after fighting back. Um, yeah. But then Alonzo got that penalty in the end. So, so a tough race for them. And then even after the race, uh, Ocon's car was sitting in Park Fermi and ended up catching fire, which was really interesting to see. I think a lot of people were, were shocked to see that, you know, after the race. It looked like Albon had spotted something. And then moments yeah. after that, it, it just kind of erupted in flame. So uh, really interesting. And, you know, the Alpines weren't the only on-track teammate yes. battle. Uh, we had a pretty interesting incident along the, the first straight of the race uh, where Stroll and Vettel were fighting, and, and Stroll did his uh, looking backwards defensive move. Like oh, he did so on, bad. Like he did on Alonso, and, and Vettel was trying to come around with a lot more pace. And, uh, yeah, Stroll just ran him left all the way into the grass, and Vettel, you know, props to him for being committed absolutely kept it pinned oh yeah he was like all four in the grass it was unbelievable and uh obviously not able to take not not able to overtake on that yeah. attempt uh but Stroll ended up getting a penalty for that and Vettel uh had a pretty sarcastic uh comment on the radio to his team just that. said okay yeah it was so funny he just said okay yeah um but yeah Stroll obviously learned nothing from what he did in the U.S. that was wild the one he did this one on his own teammate and then uh, rightfully so got that 10 second dangerous driving penalty so i don't really know what he's been thinking he's just I don't, again against your own teammate it just makes no sense like you could have had a real disaster there and they're in this battle right now with alfa romeo to try to get you know kind of that next tier of points but it's not good not a not a good look from him yeah and both of those incidents are like i just don't understand it you yeah. don't have the pace they yeah, you're are getting going past. to overtake exactly. you. Your defensive maneuver, if it was a safe maneuver, is never going to stop them yeah, from anyways. getting by you. Yeah. So I, I just I didn't understand it. Another stroll being stroll move, and I think he's starting to kind of build that reputation of of a little bit more of a dangerous driver, um, which is unfortunate from for him. But you know, could be spicy next year. We have Alonso and Stroll in the oh, same. Oh yeah. Team. I mean, this could be worse than Oak. I don't know what Alonso thinks, but it's going to be. It could be worse than. Ocon and Alonso. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch, that's for sure. Maybe not as an Alpine fan, because I could see that getting, or as a uh, Aston Martin fan, because yeah. that could get quite dangerous. But 
uh, will definitely be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and the other thing we saw in the sprint was kind of a little foreshadowing on, you know, driver requests for team orders. Yeah. Um, obviously, everyone knows the this in terms of the champion and the constructors champion. That's all been decided. That really doesn't matter anymore. So, kind of the big battles that we have left are for P two, um, and then that's pretty much it for like the main thing in terms of individual drivers. P two is only real real close battle that actually means anything that's left everything else has kind of been straightened out and, and figured out but obviously some team battles too for different places but the main battle we have is for p2 between charles and uh checo but i think we started to see you know both of them wanting to switch swap places with the driver in front of them so that they could get more points uh in both cases the real one was you know perez wanting to swap with verstappen to try to get an extra point during the sprint race and it it makes sense, right? Like, I think Ferrari's case is a little it's a little tougher to argue because like just of where they're at and like I don't know it's just a different scenario. Whereas like in in Red Bull's case, you have Max who's already locked up the championship and broke the record. Um, and obviously we'll get into the, what happened in the race too. But even in quality and stuff, like it's just uh, foreshadowing for what happened later in the weekend. And just it's kind of a tough look on that side of things. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely dive into that a little deeper. I think it was kind of an interesting insight in the sprint race to get a little glimpse of, of yeah. how much the drivers care or, or that they care at all, really. Um, you know, obviously, all of them are fighting for the championship. They want to be the guy. Uh, but, you know, realizing that a second-place finish means a lot to uh, a driver like Perez or, or Leclerc uh, is a really interesting insight. And then, obviously got some eyes on the two of them for the race, which yeah. ended up being a, a pretty interesting end that we'll get into in a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the race. We had the Mercedes wrapping up the sprint race with George and Hamilton. Uh, with We had signs splitting them in the sprint race, but he ended up having a uh, grid penalty and dropping down five places, so he ended up starting next to his teammate. Uh, but we did have George and Hamilton locking up the front row with a hungry Verstappen and Perez right behind. Um, they they got away really nicely. Uh, there wasn't, yes. wasn't much. Oh, know, yeah. But, if I mean, if there wouldn't have been that safety car, they would have. I think regardless, you know, we'll get into it, obviously, of what ended up happening. But, I mean, they were right out in front over a second almost immediately. Um, and I think they would have probably, if had no incidents happened, they would have probably just ran away with the race regardless. Absolutely. And I, maybe a little bit more fighting between the two or, you know, yeah. maybe a different battle in the front. But after the sprint race, everybody knew that they had the pace and that was kind of where they were able to show that pace. And, yeah. and George getting past Max uh, was, was really awesome to watch. And, and just, uh, you know, we weren't sure if it was coming down to the tires that they were on. Uh, Verstappen op- opted for the mediums in the sprint race and he ended up falling back a little bit so a little bit of strategy involved there but really awesome to see you know the third of the top three teams coming through and really battling for that win and yeah right off the start they were they were racy and ended up getting away nicely uh, we also had Norris trying to pull a pretty ballsy move on the on the Red Bulls he, he almost yeah he almost took went from p6 to p3 in the short run to turn one and through turn one he almost committed to it and got it but couldn't get the drive out of it but he did get up to p4 at the start but it was a wild move if he would have 
fully committed and somehow pulled that off to like th- making three places up in that sort of distance that would have been an insane start uh, yeah he went right on the inside of Perez and was just absolutely bouncing over the curbs he knew he couldn't yeah. get it slowed down enough to where he could let Perez kind of pass and take the corner so he was committed to it and then ended up having to turn way in on the inside and taking way too much inside inside curb I think he was even over over the curb uh, it was a really, in- I mean, obviously not the greatest line, right? He was bouncing around and, and didn't get a great rundown after that. But uh, really awesome to see him committed after what sounded like a really tough week and obviously a tough weekend with him. Yeah, I mean, he looked good. He looked in the race itself, too. Like, you know, he ended up obviously having that incident, which we're going to do with Leclerc, but, and I think getting some damage on his car, but he kept decent pace. He was, you know, kind of in, in line for his classic like seventh place finish, mm-hmm. but then the car ended up breaking down. But, um, you know, after that first turn, that was where things got a little dicey and, but everyone kind of made it through cleanly there. And we saw them get through the first few turns, everybody fine. And, um, I think into, I don't know, basically into like the, the main, I guess, sect, like main part of sector two, the top 10 was all pretty much cleanly in order other, other than Norris making those spots up, but pretty clean order. And then that's when the chaos really started as we had Ricardo try to make another really Big time dive bomb, similar to what he did in Mexico on Magnuson and just didn't have the space and then ended up clipping his back tire. Uh, and then I thought at first, I'm like, all right, Magnuson spins, Ricardo's sneaking through. He'll actually, probably he'll get a penalty for this, but he'll be able to finish his race. Talk about karma, though. Magnuson's car, I've never seen anything. I don't know. It, it, I know he didn't do it on purpose, but it is like wild how much his the back end of his car swung around across the whole track and then perfectly hit Ricardo Head on the on. back end. And like, blew up his tire then it was i i don't even know if you could recreate that if you tried he was absolutely head hunting yeah yeah <laughs> a couple of things you mentioned there yeah definitely the ricardo move on sonoda like we saw a couple weeks ago uh kind of a similar incident to where you know he was trying to put it up the inside and then realized it a little bit too late backed out of it and it looked like he had backed out of it yeah it looked like there was enough space but he just got on the gas really quick yeah. i think he saw a driver on his left trying to come around and was trying to cover that off but magnuson was kind of bunched up and yeah ended up tagging him there and, and then coming around and uh yeah just a really really tough incident for both of them yes uh, magnuson obviously after such a high from qualifying coming out and and you know being gone on the first lap of that race after looking pretty racy uh really unfortunate end for both of them and then there was a kind of a weird instance where magnuson ended up just kind of hung out in the middle of the uh, of the racetrack and you know we saw ricardo get back to the pit lane pretty quickly but magnuson was just hanging out there for quite a while yeah i don't know that was kind of interesting i don't know what was going on there like why they didn't obviously they're not gonna like why was there not two whatever to bring them both back like only ricardo got the the head nod to go back and then it was a long safety car i mean it was a i don't know how many laps it was but it was a long safety car and you know magnuson's just sitting on like the on one like uh, whatever you call it, like the stand right there, like by where the marshals are. And he's just sitting there with his legs crossed, like waiting for pretty much the entirety of this, the safety car. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. And then, you know, another point is we think back to last week and how Ricardo got in that incident and then just had absolutely unbelievable pace. And I think a lot of people were hoping for that again. If he could have made it through Magnuson after spinning him and, and just use that as motivation yeah. to, to just, you know, fly through the field, it would have been awesome to watch. Uh, but you know, McLaren fans had a pretty miserable race. Oh yeah, uh, as we will get into. But that ended up being the kind of the start of the drama. Obviously, there was a safety car, and then Albon ended up pitting 
uh, under that safety car. He ended up catching up to the back, uh, and he was kind of the the insight into that undercut, which was pretty interesting. Yeah, and, uh, becomes pretty important later on. Uh, during the safety car, we also had we also got an insight into Leclerc's car. He said there was an incident out of turn three, uh, and the team came back to him and said there was nothing they can do, but also it's not an issue. But yeah, also which made was, no sense. If they're definitely. if they're saying there's nothing you can do, then there's obviously an issue. Yeah. But then they're like Leclerc's like, so is it an issue? And they're like, no. Yeah. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And I don't think it ended up being anything based on the pace he had after the incident and stuff, but. It was a, another hilarious Ferrari radio message. Yeah, it was pretty funny. It continues their streak, especially this weekend. Uh, on the safety car restart, it, it seemed pretty clean. And, you know, this is one thing we were talking about a little bit is the, the safety car restarts, I think Bottas did it last year. And it was really uh, interesting to see because he just waited to go until he was literally at that finish line. Straight. Yes. And, and you know, most people start a turn or two before – the straight and, and try to get up to speed and catch the person yeah. behind them sleeping. But I think in a, in a time like this or in a track like this, uh, you kind of take away that entire slipstream effect. If yeah. You wait there's no slipstream long. then. Yeah. And, and you know, I was expecting a George, George to do something like that. And he did wait a little while, you know, he was yeah. coming up the hill before he actually punched it, but uh, he ended up going a little bit early and, you know, allowed Max to get alongside his teammate behind him. And yeah. then uh, that ended up leading to, Another incident, so Max was coming around, turn one on the outside, Lewis on the inside, and like we saw really all weekend, the Red Bulls just haven't been able to turn the car for some reason. No, yeah, they weekend. were had no, the steering was just terrible. Like yeah. They could not turn the car at all. Yeah, so so once they got down the hill to that right-hander, Max kind of went a little bit straighter, and, and Lewis was trying to take a little bit more apex, and uh, they ended up coming together, and we saw a lot of debris uh, going, going off, gave us kind of flashbacks to last year yeah it was kind of similar to what happened in uh in saudi arabia last year with with that incident where hamilton ran in the back of him but yeah this one it was i don't know it is it is kind of uh i think a lot of people had disagreements on like if it was just a racing incident or if it was max's fault i think the argument can be made though like when they ended up going down the hill they at, at the turn they were side by side and then lewis got the better grip coming into the turn got about a half car length ahead of max and the track just kind of goes away from you at that point. Like, that, just because the way it's set up, it just, you know, the track, like, goes, dips in a little bit, and there's no track there. And, like, since Lewis was ahead, like, he had the right away to, like, take the corner how he did. Um, he didn't really even close it. He just kept where he was. Yeah. And then Max just committed to it. And then he argued, like, uh, you know, he wasn't going to give him the space anyways. Well, he doesn't have to there. Like, he doesn't have to give you the space. So, it you know, Max just ran right into him, like, it could have. It was one where Max probably should have backed out at that moment, and I don't know why he didn't because of the straight line speed of the Red Bull. He could have probably just waited till they got to the straight anyways and done it there. But I don't know. It's just uh, another incident where it's like, you know, he he basically like Matt like Max like threw a fit about it, but it's like, dude, like what did you expect was going to happen there? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different viewpoints on it, and and you know, mine might actually be a little bit different, especially as, you know, more of a, a Hamilton fan than yeah. Max, if you can tell. Just a little. <laughs> you know, I don't know if that was worthy of a penalty. I don't I know think, if it was either, but... I think both drivers kind of knew what was going to happen. Yeah. But Lewis had a little bit less opportunity to to avoid the, that collision, yeah. whereas, you know, Max could have backed out of it, but when have we known Max to ever back out of exactly. anything? And, you know, that's not a bad thing. Obviously, yeah. props to him. You know, if there's a gap, you got to take it. But yeah. uh, Lewis also 
kind of pushed in a little bit. I think expecting that Max was going to take more curb, which most drivers do when they're actually yeah. taking that corner. So uh, a little bit of an interesting look. Uh, obviously, they ended up coming together and, and both taking some damage, but Verstappen ended up pitting, and Lewis, I think, dropped down to eighth and then uh, was just, just kept running and really looked good even, the, even from then. Yeah, from there he looked, I don't know how, because he definitely had some kind of damage to his car, but he looked quick and just made his way right back to the field. But, um, yeah, right after that incident, then we had Norris kind of try to dive down um, on Leclerc. So they ended up going side-by-side in the restart and then uh, going into, like, outside of, after that second straight, basically, into that next turn, uh, Norris kind of tried to keep it inside, and then he took it too wide, and then, you know, this one's definitely Norris's fault, ran into Leclerc, and then Leclerc spun. Norris got some damage as well, so then Norris got a five-second penalty from that. But Leclerc then... Drops to the back as well, and then it was a very odd race at that point because you look at the like the timetable and it's like oh like everything is normal, and then you have uh, Verstappen and Leclerc at bringing up the rear like 17th and 18th, like 30 seconds behind everybody else. Yeah, 17, 18. Hamilton dropped into eighth, and yeah. then you know Signs was still trying to work his way up through the front, and Lando was still up there a little bit. Uh, very interesting grid, you know, yeah. especially at that time and. Uh, I think there was a lot of excitement around then. You know, we had had so much drama, and then you look at the race, and you're still like, "Oh, there is, you know, oh yeah, you know, sixty laps, fifty, sixty laps still oh, yeah. at this point, and uh, a really exciting prospect for the remainder of the race to watch all these cars come through." So uh, they did, and and the undercut ended up becoming a, a really important thing, and a lot of them were able to use their early pit stops that they had to take because of contact to to kind of start that attack. Yeah. Um, Alonzo ended up pitting at lap 15 and overtook almost the entire midfield with that undercut. Uh, he got a lot of massive. Yeah. He got a lot of them by, uh, you know, a few laps. So it helped out a little bit with the undercut, but, uh, yeah, overtook so many people ended up in the top 10 when nobody was expecting that after the first round of pit stops. So really impressive from him. Um, and then we saw signs pit. He had a break fire. And then it was it was kind of all chaos, you know. He came yeah. in, he was smoking. And oh, I thought he was done. I thought he was gonna be done for. Yeah, it wasn't looking great. And then uh, even on the like, we watched the shot of the pit stop, and then you could see the tear off that was yeah. stuck in that brake duct come down and just kind of lay in the middle of the uh, the pit lane. But really interesting incident there, and uh, he was able to get going. Really got going pretty well. He had a pretty solid weekend. I would yeah, say. Yeah, he, he had a great weekend. I think he. They did not have the pace to win regardless. Um, I mean, we ended up seeing in the end, like no one had Mercedes pace this weekend, which was a wild thing to see, but they didn't have the pace anyways, but you know, he made the most of it and, you know, ended up getting on the podium and he, you know, finished in second in the sprint race. Like, I think he had a clean weekend. He did everything he was supposed to do. I think he looked back more like his normal self. He looked back kind of like his, at more his peak performance, kind of where he was and, you know, how he performed in, in Silverstone and places like that. And, he's had quite a rough second half of the season, I think, with DNFs and just mistakes and putting it in the gravel and things like that. So I think it was a great weekend for him. Definitely, he, he drove awesome all again. Yeah, even first half of the season. I think he's he's almost one of those drivers that takes like a year to get used to that new car. Yeah. And I think because we have that new car, he kind of fell off the pace a little bit. But he's really closed that gap and even starting to oh, beat yeah. Leclerc a little more. So. Uh, and obviously, last year, at the end of last year, he was ahead of Leclerc in that car. So yeah, uh, I think a really good you know, exciting for him that he's back to his uh, full potential. And I think he's really excited for the start of next year and hopefully yeah. to stick in that championship battle for a lot longer than he was this year. Yeah. Um, 
so getting back into the race, we had George Russell obviously leading the race and uh, super happy on those tires. And really, yeah. that was a theme with Mercedes all weekend, it felt like. Yeah, they were great on the tires. No matter what tire it was, they made it last. They made it work. The softs, I think, were probably the best tire this weekend, which is was kind of interesting to see. Um, you know, not a lot of people were fans of the mediums, but the Mercedes made them work as well. And, like, I think, yeah, George wanted to go long. Hamilton wanted to go long and got pretty mad when he ultimately got brought in kind of earlier. Uh, but that was just to cover off the undercut because at that point he had he had fallen back so many places because of the incident with Max that they had to start covering undercuts from different people. But, yeah, I think both of them could have gone longer and probably could have done a one-stop if they really wanted to. Yeah, yeah, and the cover-off was kind of an interesting point in the race. I think it was, you know, Hamilton had so much pace in him and he was looking to, to get back at Perez in second place because yeah. he had made up that time so quickly. And that was kind of the point where you're like, okay, he's making up this time on Perez so quickly, and that time to to George is just continuing to fall. So he has the pace to continue this, you know, inroads into George and continue for the race win. And then they brought him in, and he was livid, like you said, after that on the radio asking why. And then, you know, they they came on the radio and say to cover you off from Perez, which he— It worked, yeah. But he thought he had the pace to get past Perez so easily. So. Unfortunate for him, George ended up coming in pretty quickly afterwards, so yeah. then their pace was pretty similar from then on. Uh, but, you know, just they were on a different level this weekend. Yeah. Uh, really good to see that Mercedes car, and I think a talking point later on can be, uh, you know, the development of the cars between yeah. cars has been so different. So uh, definitely something to talk about. But we had Norris stop uh, eventually after the first round of pit stops, kind of triggered some of the second pit stops. Yeah. Uh, but he had his engine cut out, ended up stopping. And then just kind of a weird period after that, we had yeah. like two or three laps under virtual safety car, which seems long. I mean, yes. virtual safety cars are typically like maybe a lap. lap. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody was expecting a safety car. Cause yeah. Cause it was, cause no, it was there, I mean, it would have taken, it was in the middle of the track. He stopped basically. Exactly. Like, there was no way they were going to be able to roll that off that quick. Yeah. It was at the same place as Ricardo and Madison. Yeah. And, and that didn't take, you know, one lap to clear yeah. so we were expecting a safety car it took a little longer than expected but it ended up coming out and then even that was lasting for i think it was five laps in the end you know even maybe more than that yeah and under that safety car we also had yuki Sonoda get caught up as a back marker not being allowed to go through yeah there was a lot of controversy around that like around why he wasn't allowed to be let through and why the others were allowed to um, I, I don't, I don't know the exact scenario. I did hear after the race that like he was already the way it worked out. He was like already a lap down at that point. So like they wouldn't be allowed to unlap themselves because like the other drivers, I don't know, it was some weird scenario, but like, I, I think you should have been able to like why they didn't let him unlap was kind of odd. And then, cause then you're just messing with the front of the order. Yeah. Um, there was, I think a lot of the discussion was about the, the one little piece of rule, the article that we talked about a lot last yeah. year at Abu Dhabi. And which I'm sure we'll revisit in the coming week. Yeah. Uh, but it was something about how if the leader passes you, you have to be a certain amount behind the leader at that point and for a certain amount of laps. But it ended up being three laps ago that Yuki had gotten passed by George. So he was a full lap under and and technically should have been allowed through. Yeah. Uh, so some people were thinking it was just kind of an oversight by the FIA. Yeah, Didn't I don't really know what they were doing. In that grid, but you know, he felt like he was being bullied and I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way. So, uh, he ended up finishing last in the order and, uh, unfortunately didn't have a, didn't have the ability to come back at Latifi and the Williams at, at the back of the grid there. 
Not that it would have mattered, but I'm sure no. it would have made it a little bit more fun for him. Well, and he would have gotten Latifi, let's be honest. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> he wasn't the only one to be mad about that. I think the Alpines were uh, a little bit peeved by that because they ended up being hampered behind him, that yeah. spot. So they obviously yeah. had to pass uh, the finish line with him in front, and then he ended up pulling to the left, but that didn't give them... Yeah. You know, they weren't able to be right on the wing of the yeah. the Aston Martin in front of them. So, well, and it kind of creates like a dangerous situation because, like, then he basically he can't move out of the way until he gets to the finish line, mm-hmm. and then you're asking him to basically stop, yeah, pull to the left side of this track and stop, let everybody pass by, and then start going again, going into a short turn in the first, in a, or going into like a short run into turn one. So, like, I don't know, it was really weird. It it brought back flashbacks of last year where they were just like, yeah, let's let some of these cars through, but not all of them, but. Um, it's, it made for a really weird restart. And then you had like this, basically everyone in front of Yuki just pulled a giant gap then to the people behind him. And you had like a, like a three second gap, like right at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. Uh, up the order a little bit more. We had Perez still on some mediums and he ended up getting overtaken a couple times. Uh, Verstappen, he put on some softs and was really able to make some, uh, improvements in this portion of the race here. He got past a few drivers, uh, and then he ended up passing Perez, trying to go for uh, Alonso. The Alpines also looked really good at yeah. the restart. They ended up both getting through Vettel. There was a little bit of question marks around the restart. They were on the yeah. radio uh, telling Ocon basically to let Alonso through, but also to get Vettel in front. And Alon- or Ocon came back and said, you know, let me get Vettel first, and then I'll let Alonso through, yeah. because that makes sense. And, and it does make sense. Yeah. Uh, and he did. So so both of the Alpines ended up making it through Vettel, I think, within the first turn. Yeah. Uh, and then they ended up swapping and, and allowing Alonso to go fight a little bit further up. Uh, nothing really after that. You know, I think it was pretty a pretty simple race yes. to the finish. Yeah, like a simple last 10, 12 laps, whatever it was. I think we wanted to see Russell and Hamilton battle it out, and they did come on radio and say, you guys are racing for it, which, mm-hmm. was, which was nice to see that. At that point in the season – you're fighting for your first win. You got to let both the drivers just duel it out. And, you know, I think both of them too, I think regardless. So Hamilton, just because of the dirty air and stuff, I don't, was never going to, once he got to a second behind him, he was never going to bid to just catch up. I don't think, but it, I don't know. It's, uh, I think even if they would have been racing with each other, I feel like because they knew they were both battling for the win, I don't know if one of the other would have like did anything dirty. I feel like they probably wouldn't have because like, I don't know. I, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before and a couple times uh, for sure. I know I think that both of these drivers have so much respect for each other. Yeah. And it almost felt like Hamilton didn't want to continue to push. Obviously, he was pushing. Yes. And I don't know if it was a factor of George being able to match that at the end of the race yeah. for, the, for those last 10 laps because that gap never got above 1.4 seconds. Yeah. Uh, and never below 1.2 almost. So it was a very, very thin margin. And I don't know if that was a factor of Hamilton just being totally respectful of, Hey, this is his first win ever. You know, I think it probably was. And, and good on him to to recognize that. I think the same thing would have happened of George though. If Hamilton would have come by, I don't think there would have been anything, you know, they wouldn't yeah. allow sparks to fly. I think no. they, they have so much respect for one another and they know that they haven't been able to fight for wins. So I don't think either of them was going to risk. Yeah, I agree. That's that what I'm win. saying. Yeah. I think they would have, I agree. I think they would have, even if they would have, if Hamilton would have caught up and made a move on George, I think they would have kept it clean. And it just, it was going to be what it was going to be. I think whoever was in front would have 
and whoever's behind would have acknowledged that and they would have just wanted to finish one too because of yeah. how the season has been this year yeah and would have been awesome to see lewis finish first obviously it is yeah now home grand prix but uh a one two for mercedes absolutely incredible after the start of the season yeah just i mean we'll and like you mentioned earlier definitely for kind of getting into the off season when we recap the season and everything you know and talk about how the teams developed and stuff like i there's this is one of the bigger ones i can remember where uh, the progress the team made during the season was unbelievable I mean, they were nowhere near the pace at the beginning of the season. Um, I think, you know, they had a little luck with the Red Bull DNS, but I think both you and I thought, like, this is going to be, they're going to be fighting for fifth and sixth every single race. And to be in the position they're in now where they're 19 points off or 20 points off of the team standings for the constructors, like, unbelievable. Um, To be in a position where, like, you could finish four or five in the driver's standings and finish P2 in the constructors is insane. Yeah, and I think, you know, pre-maybe Singapore, a few races ago, it wasn't until then that the car was getting them to yeah. where they are, even in the driver's standings. I think the the gaps between the top two teams and them was only so close because of, you know, things other than the engineering. Yeah. And other than the car in that team. It came down to strategy, came down to drivers, came down to Some just luck. Yeah. How they, yeah, and and they were able to capitalize on those yes. things though, and I think now it's that car has some serious pace, and they're they're really able to use that now, and that one two shows exactly the, their ability to develop over a year, uh, and just an incredible show of, uh, you know, the technology side of things, and, and just the progress that they are able to make. It, it kind of shows you that they're never going to sit anywhere close to the back of the grid because now. They, they can't even sit in third yeah. and be, you know, somewhat satisfied. Somewhat satisfied, yeah. And, like, there was so, I don't know, just the progress they made. And then, like you said, like, I don't know if, like you said, if as long as they're a team in Formula 1, I don't know, like, if we'll ever see them really drop down the grid ever because they're just so good at it. It's like, they already, they have now caught up in the, the massive gap they had. They've now caught up at the end of the season. And obviously, I know every year is different, and they've put more development at the end of the season than maybe the top two teams have. But it sets the standard for next season, mm-hmm. and it makes you think, well, if they're up to them now, like, you know, maybe they're still a tenth or two behind the start of the year, but like now the gap next year is way smaller than it was this year. Where it was like seven tenths to start the year. And it's not only Red Bull and Mercedes. Ferrari's yeah. been in this fight all season long. Yeah. And, you know, they might not be able to, to stick in it because of things outside of the car and outside yeah. of the drivers. But uh, I think going into next year after these last, you know, five races the prospect for a three-way title fight and really a six-way title fight yes between the drivers but a three-way team fight uh is just unbelievable i think everybody's yeah. got to be excited about that yeah i think it's i mean it's it's even better too it works out like red bull getting that like 10 percent reduction in wind tunnel time mm-hmm. is going to play a huge factor in that as well next year ferrari just being ferrari yep. i like i don't it's just going to be i think we're going to finally see next year we will see three teams for the first time in a long time, actually battled out. And that'll be so nice to have, like, every single race we can be like, well, there's six different drivers that could win but this what's, weekend. But what's crazy is you don't think, like, thinking about the fact that if we go into next year and Mercedes absolutely runs away with it in a yeah. way that Red Bull did this year, yeah. but continues that all season long, yeah. nobody would be shocked. No. No, right. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, because they made this progress up and now they've caught up. If then in the off season they do what they normally do. And then they just bring a supercar next year and like go yeah. back to the Mercedes of old and they it's one two every race and 
Because that's, that's what this weekend felt like for them. This felt like did, yeah. 2014 through 2020, like just completely dominating, like not even a chance they weren't going to win. Like unless something like a DNF or something weird happens, like you knew as soon as like the uh, sprint race started, like you could just tell like what this is going to be a Mercedes weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It was really impressive and a great track for them to do it at. Definitely. Um, you know, talking about that title fight though, and, and the driver's championship, let's get back to that discussion of that second place and kind of the drama that unfolded yes. at the very, the very last couple of laps. Uh, I think Charles was on the radio first to his engineer saying, Hey, think about giving me this position. Uh, you know, obviously yeah. I'm in a fight for second place and, I guess let's let's cover the red or let's cover the uh, the Ferrari side of it first, right? Yes. Signs is in third place. That's a podium. That's you know? a podium. That's yes. nothing to nothing to joke about. Uh, as Leclerc, at, would, yes, not to joke say. about. And Leclerc, I think the other thing worth mentioning here is one, they were for a podium position. So yep. we'll get to Red Bull. Red Bull was for sixth place. They were sixth and seventh. The Ferraris were third and fourth. So it, a podium is a podium. I don't mm-hmm. care what you're going to say. Podium is a podium. And at this point, Leclerc's like five seconds behind Signs. Yeah. Yep. Um, so like that is a big gap to try to like do a switch on. Like you're asking Signs to basically stop. And a Pacey Alonso a Pacey only Alonso about behind two him. Yeah, two seconds behind him. So like it's a really tough thing to make like swap to make. Mm-hmm. And at this point too, for Char- for Charles case, he's two three spots ahead of Perez already. So he's already getting more points in Pre- what seventh is what six points and fourth is twelve. So he's already gaining six points on Perez as it sits. If he finishes fourth and Perez finishes seventh, which is how it finished, yeah, he's already gaining six points on him regardless. So the swap would have gave him another three, but it's like the danger risking. It's like an accident happening or Alonso getting by both of them, and mm-hmm. then what happens? And not to mention, Signs earned his spot there. Like he raced yeah. good all weekend, and like it was a podium. So like, how are you expecting him to give that up? Definitely. And there was a lot of, you know, Leclerc's car had a lot of issues too. Yeah. So there was some question marks around that. And uh, unfortunate for him, you know, let's not jump over the fact that he was down in 18th. What was it? 18th. And he got to fourth. And fought his way all the way back. So yeah. really good race from him uh, and would have deserved that podium, you know, either yeah. way. But uh, yeah. The, it was the just too big en- of an ask. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the team ended up keeping it the same. Leclerc on the radio said it was a joke, but uh, I think probably understood pretty quick afterwards. Um and it was good to see signs back on the yeah. podium for sure. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, we had Red Bull down in sixth, seventh, like you said. Verstappen in sixth, Perez in seventh. Verstappen had gotten past and was looking to fight back at Alonso. He had maybe three, four laps, I think, at the end to, to go and catch Alonso. Perez was happy to move aside and, and not defend at all on Verstappen. Yeah. Even let, I mean, I think Verstappen got through both of them at the or Perez and Ocon at the same time yeah uh you know so just kind of a question mark there yes you know they they're coming around the last lap Verstappen obviously not able to make inroads on Alonso not close to yes. passing he was actually really close to passing yeah. uh but not he couldn't even, pass him not, he wasn't gonna pass him exactly. at that point we're rounding the last corner he's not seven able to tenths behind you're not gonna get past him there yeah um and then you have Perez about and it wasn't the same gap as it was still a decent gap but it was I don't know two to three seconds I think it was somewhere between two and three seconds around there yeah. that Perez was behind Max and then a big enough gap behind Perez or like at the line you could have made the swap yep. and I think regardless even if it's a bad swap and Max loses another place and falls to eighth 
Who cares? Why Who cares? does it matter? He's already has the most points ever in a season, the most wins ever in a season. Mm-hmm. He's already won the drivers' championship. Red Bull already won the constructors. Um, and I think the biggest thing is, and they obviously talk about, it and everyone knows this. Like, think of all the things Perez has done for Max in the last two seasons. And Perez even said it himself. Yes, he said it himself in the radio. Um, and it's you know, from obviously last year ended the way it ended, and you know everyone knows our thoughts on that. But like, had Perez not defended Hamilton like that. Hamilton would have been able to pit under that safety car on the new sauce in the window and still be in first and would have won easily then. And so that's, like, that's not even close to the only instance. That's not even Perez close to the only time in France when Perez let him by so that Max could catch and get the win. Anytime the team has asked Perez to do something, he's always done it for Max, mm-hmm. regardless of what the scenario was. And so this one time when, you know, what does it matter if Max gets sixth or seventh? It's two points. Mm-hmm. And Perez is in a fight for P2 in the championship. And as Red Bull, you'd think, and as Max himself, you'd think, wow, my team's already won the constructors and I've won the drivers. It'd be sick if, like, the other driver on my team got second and it was, like, a clean sweep. Because, like, that's what Mercedes did for a year. They were 1-2 yeah. and they won everything. You, yeah. Then you can claim total dominance. Like, we were the, we had the best two drivers and the best two, or the best team. Everything lined up and made sense for him to let him pass. They gave him plenty of time and warning to let Perez pass. And then he doesn't. And then he's on the radio being like, I told you my reason, like just a nasty comment about like, I told you my reasons why, like I told you last summer, I'm, don't ask me to do this again. Like I'm not going to do this. And then Perez basically fires back. It's like, it shows who he really is. It, yeah. And it really does. And then yeah. also the fact that like for didn't even respond when they were on the radio. Yeah, he with said him. nothing. He was just dead silent until after the race when it was like a forced issue yeah. at that point. And then, you know, Perez, you got to feel bad for him at that yeah. point. You know, he's he's been told that he's going to be able to pass, and he's coming up like, you know, where is where this is guy? Yeah, where is he? And then you hear him on the radio, and it's just, you know, tough to listen to, to be honest, because it's just like the amount of work that Perez has put in to help Verstappen get those two yes. championships. And that's a comment he made in, in press yeah. afterwards is, this guy has two championships, and, you know, it's thanks to me, really. Yes. And you can even, I mean, obviously he had an unbelievable season yes, this year. Yes, this season he would have probably either way there's ran still, away with it. But there's, there's still, still a bunch so of instances. instances where he helped him make that easier. And then last season, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we I obviously, like I said, we, we know what happened. But, like, if he wouldn't have held up Hamilton like that, even with the drama at the end, Hamilton would have been on fresh tires and it would have won. So, like, he, like, the... The amount of times last year he helped him, and in other races last year, like I talked about, that he got him more points. Everything he's done for him and done for the team, I mean, a total team player, it all, like, you know, like their whole relationship, like, I thought they had a good relationship, and it just, like, went to shambles right there. Just absolutely crumbled in front of our eyes. Yeah. And you think back to Albon, you think back to Ricardo, yeah. Gasly, all in that second seat. Yeah. Verstappen hasn't had a driver that has both had the ability to help him and, you know, and followed and, through with yeah. that help. So I think Verstappen needs to obviously realize what he has in his teammate yeah. right now, which is something that he has not had his entire career. No. Uh, and really take advantage of what he can do with with Sergio. And uh, just unfortunate to see that kind of sour in an Yeah, instant. it's just really – and it was like a universal opinion. Like, Oh, it's hard everyone, not to. Yeah. The commentators, everybody on social media, everybody felt that way. And like you said, it's like Max just doesn't realize what he has. I think it, like a good example of it is, and I think it's a little different because I, Perez has really performed well this year. Yeah. But you look back at the Hamilton-Bottas relationship. Bottas always did 
what the team asked mm-hmm. and did everything for Lewis. And Lewis knew that and respected that. Absolutely. Always. And like always commended him for that. And like, you know, if there would have been a spot and they never really needed to do it because Bottas just finished in P2 on merit usually in the mm-hmm. drivers. But if there would have been, I know for a fact, Hamilton, if he had already had the championship wrapped up, would have returned the favor. Like yeah, it's absolutely, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, there's no, Verstappen has no argument. It makes no sense. You know, I could see if he was in first and uh, president second. All right. Like Max wants to win the race. Like if it's a race win, a little different, but he's in sixth place. What, what did, what is he going to gain out of this? Like, it just makes no sense. So yeah, really sour scenario. And like, just it, I almost feel bad for everybody in, in respect to this. Cause it took away from like Rose Russell's first win. No one really cared then at that point. Cause it was the only storyline that like dominated out of this race and on social media and everything after was, uh, you know, the Perez max incident. That's what dominated everything. It's like max, you know, just being a terrible person. Yeah, and you can even go outside of the drivers themselves. Like to do that to to rob him of a second place, you're robbing his entire side of the garage on a second yeah. place. You're robbing the entire, and obviously it's not a full rob, right? Like it's yeah. they're going in even on next next race, whatever. Yeah. But to do something like that to deny your teammate some success after all of the success that you've had uh, is just kind of a slap in the face to the entire team. Really, yeah. it's just embarrassing for him. And I think maybe after this rant. It merits us dropping down to the Massey driver of the of the week. Yes, yeah. I mean that kind of covered off our paddock rumors, off track notes. Um, pretty much, there might be we'll, we'll have one Ferrari little rumor we'll drop in there as well. But our kind of our off the track issues and drama that was the main thing from this weekend that came out of it. But yeah, we'll go ahead and pivot down real quick to our our Massey performance of the week for team and driver. So um, I want to preface this with hat. This is how. It, we view the situation at least had this incident with Max not happened. Latifi would have once again ran away with this award. So it is worth mentioning that honorable mention, Nicholas Latifi. He was terrible again, you know, 19th in the sprint way behind, way behind the entire time. The only reason he didn't finish last to finish was because Sonoda got screwed with the unlapping thing. So honorable mention to our favorite award winner for that. But for the driver, you have to give it to Max. So he has the incident with Hamilton at the beginning, which again, could be, could have been a penalty. Could have not have been. You can argue either way. But still, there was just no need for it, and then immediately gets on the radio and blames it on Lewis completely, um, you know. And then the, over the and then the incident at the end, right? So he has a, just a normal race. He didn't like he made his way through the field, which was expected, but he didn't do anything spectacular. And then you get to the end of the race, and your team and everybody else relying on you to do this thing. Everyone's asking you to do it, and you just completely ignore all of it and be a terrible person and finish to finish sixth and get, you know eight points, whatever it is, versus six to finish in seventh, like all that for two points. And you've now ruined the relationship with your other driver. You have made a bunch of enemies. Like you're going to, it's just not, you know, now next season when, if if it's time for Max to have, or Checo to help Max, like what, why should he, what, why should he do that anymore? Yeah. And I think, you know, Max had a decent drive, right? Yeah. You know, he was fine and had an unfortunate sprint race, fell back a little bit. But let's preface a little bit, right? This is the Massey performance of the week. Yeah. Massey was not notorious for being an awful driver, although, you know, probably some thoughts on that. Yeah. You know, it's just a brutal performance of the week. It's it's a bad weekend. It's an embarrassing weekend. It's an an awful decision. Yeah, awful decision. Yes. And Max's decision was the poorest of them all. Yes. I think you could argue the poorest decision someone's made this season. 
uh, that'd take some thought. But definitely up there. It's up there. It's, uh, I think you could, I'm saying you could argue. I'm not saying it is. I'm saying it's in contention for it. Yeah. For in terms of... Saying that you overspent on sandwiches? Yeah, saying that you overspent on sandwiches too, you. yes. But like in the moment, like this like this felt like the one of the biggest moments of the season. Like With the most, ramifications. Yes. Yeah. This felt like one, and the way I judge it at least is just like, how what are people on Twitter talking about? And everybody was talking about it. It was... Like it, it dominated Twitter. Hard to overlook. It and it got on, like, I think the biggest thing, too, is it got in people's radars that weren't even that keyed into the race or keyed into, like, there's, you know, other people I follow on Twitter that are unrelated to Formula One that were yeah. even like, what is this? Like, this is so messed up. Like, that they'll read about it and see that. So, I mean, it's, you know, even we even had one of the guys we worked with who's a Max guy say, text us that said, Max sucks, I'm Team Ferrari next year. Yeah, it's so hard to <laughs> overlook. And there was so many, I mean, comedic views of it yes and just you know. oh there's so many memes that came of it too it was, it was hilarious on twitter after. yeah the absolutely. amount of things that came from it uh like one of my favorite ones was like when max that video of max being locked out of whatever piece of the paddock he was with red bull and it's like max trying to get into mexico next year mm-hmm. and it was him like locked out but yeah it's he's gonna get the mass performance of the week because like you said it's it was an embarrassing like awful decision like it just wasn't it had nothing to do really with his driving it was just yeah. A bad decision. Yeah. Um, Let's go ahead and jump into yeah. the, the team. Uh, yes. Massey performance, the Massey performance for the team of the week. Uh, I think there was a couple of contenders here. You yeah. know, my, my first thought, and I think trending this weekend, was Alpine after their sprint race. Just oh, I forgot for sure. A brutal, you know, they had a, a decent qualifying. Their sprint race, they were looking on for some really good points. Had just an awful, awful Saturday. But Sunday, they were able to come in and capitalize, yeah. and props to them for, for wrapping up kind of that P4 in the championship. Uh, I think the two that we got to think about here are Haas and Williams. Yes. And the only reason that Haas is you know sticking through it here is because K-Mag, unbelievable, great decision from yes. the team, and I think they might escape this one this week. Yeah, I think it's going to go to Williams this week. Yeah. I think Haas escapes it, a really unlucky race, and like, we had the Magnuson incident and like, but he did go and put it on pole during qualifying and he kind of held his own during the sprint race to the best he could. So like, I think that's going to help them escape from, and it wasn't his award, fault, but yeah. Race. Um, Williams though, you know, obviously just a terrible weekend. So they finished 15th and 16th, not great strategy. You had Albon pit right away, which like the undercut was somewhat, but then you, like he was basically just pitting to pit, and like he still had to make the same number of pit stops as everybody else, but now one more. So he just moved himself from being already at the back of the field to still at the back of the field, and it really was no advantage at all. Um, I thought they would have tried to stuck it out and done some kind of weird one stop with him, or done something a little more wild to try to be like, okay, like let's set ourselves apart here. And then Latifi again fell to the back. Uh, finished last in the sprint if it weren't for the snow incident would have finished last in the race so not a good weekend for them at all they were nope not pacey at all there were nowhere to be found it was like they didn't even i know sometimes albon will, will sniff the points but it wasn't i mean they weren't even close yeah and he had a decent qualifying you know and then didn't even make yeah. it through the sprint race uh really quietly might i add I, I don't even remember how he left the sprint race i think he just pulled into the pits. i think he just pulled into the pits and it just his car just kind of died and yeah. i don't think he got any tv time for that no well yeah what do we expect though i mean that's fair <laughs> yeah you can't can't easily forget about the driver yeah on, in p20 but yes 
uh, yeah, didn't make it through the sprint race, and then they just didn't go anywhere in the in the actual race. Yeah. And I I will say I do appreciate the decision for them, you know, pitting in the back and just trying something different. Yeah. And, and I can see the upsides of that, but they didn't go anywhere with it. Uh, just a really all around tough weekend for them. Yeah. Uh, I think they're probably looking to just move on to next year and hopefully have some more promise in the car with uh, Logan Sargent, but still TBD. Yeah, TBD. We'll see. Um, so we'll go into opposite of the match performance of the week is our, our drivers of the weekend. So we'll kind of pivot back to that here. Um, so for my three drivers, uh, for my first one, I had Lewis, um, just a clean weekend from him overall. You know, he had the incident with Max, but it wasn't, you know, it didn't end up falling on him. And I think the most impressive thing for me was, you know, he, uh, made up those spots in the sprint race to get to P3 and then the race itself, he falls back to P8. He had damage on his car too. And he looked it was still probably the fastest man on track caught like ripped through everybody basically to get back up to P2 with really no issue at all. It made the pass need to make, uh, had good strategy, obviously. And like they made, he made the tires work. And then, you know, at the end was within a second, had a chance to win mm-hmm. at the end of the race. So I think it was a great weekend from him. I think it was, he loves this track and like, it's, you know, obviously being honorary citizen here now and stuff. And he always performs well here. So, uh, he's my first driver of the weekend. Um, and then uh, my second driver I had was Bottas. I think for him, they had just a disaster in qualifying. So he starts 18th in the sprint race, uh, makes a few spots up in the sprint race to get up to 14th, but then he really shined during the actual race. So, you know, just he had great strategy. He had good pace. I don't know where the pace came from, but he had very good pace during the race, had a, some great moves in the opening lap to make up a few places and then finish in ninth. I was a little confused with them. I thought going into qualifying, the alphas were going to, you know, be able to shine a little yeah. bit. I, I was even thinking about predicting one of them in Q3. Yeah. And, you know, they were just looking, even in free practice. I mean, free practice, they looked really good. Qualifying, they looked, they, they showed a little bit of pace, but they weren't able to really capitalize on it. Yeah. And then in the sprint race, you see them down there expecting them to to really fly up through kind of the, that lower tier of drivers and uh, not really able to make up a ton. They started, or they, you know, finished the sprint race in 13-14. Yeah. And then Bottas was just, you know, on another level, able to take advantage of every opportunity that he got and uh, stay in there with the top 10. I think a lot of drivers were in the mix throughout the race with how many, you know, pit stops there were. And I think they absolutely capitalized on strategy, and he was able to capitalize on his opportunities to be up there. Yeah, for sure. He had an awesome weekend in the end, so... Uh, and then my third driver I had was Sainz. Uh, we kind of hit on it earlier, but, you know, starts P5 in the sprint race, gets up to P2, looks great in the sprint race. And then in the actual race itself, you know, they did not have the pace in the car to beat the Mercedes, but he put it P3, uh, performed well. He had a clean race. He did everything he was supposed to do. Uh, he even had the little brake fire incident, but, like, that didn't, you know, really hinder him. And then he, you know, was able to cut his way through the field, make moves, and I think it was – you know, once he once the pit stop pit stop started to come, I think it was no doubt that he was going to finish on the podium. Then he just kind of had a clean race, and it was good to see him performing like that again and be back on the podium. Yeah, definitely, and really excited to see where he goes next season. Obviously, yeah. Uh, I'll go ahead and get into mine for the for the first one. I went with George Russell. Um, just an all around great one. weekend. Yeah. yeah, absolutely easy one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, had the pace in qualifying. Unfortunately, was you know ended up in the gravel but was able to show it again on the sprint race and then ended up staying alive for the race. So all around great race from him, able to continue to outpace his teammate, who's, you know, an incredible world champion. Uh, so he takes the top step on my drivers of the weekend. 
Charles Leclerc has to be my next one. I think, you know, he might not have outshined signs as much this weekend. Yeah. But his ability to come back from 18th on the grid and really, you know, fight his way all the way back up through through both the Red Bulls, um, really good on his end. And then lastly, Alonso. Obviously, we're going to have to overlook Saturday. Just a really tough sprint race for him. Yes. Almost comical, to be honest. Yes. Well, it's just classic Trollanto. I mean, it was just as trolly as ever on Saturday. It was indeed, yeah. I'll give you that. <laughs> and especially on the radio. Oh, yeah. Blame Ocon oh, yeah. Everything. And then his, even his comments in the media afterwards. Oh, yeah. Was he was in full troll mode, troll mode Saturday. If he didn't burn that bridge the past few weeks. Oh, he burned it oh, Saturday. Yeah. It's it totally gone. <laughs> yeah. But on, on actual race day, you know, he did a tremendous job. He was able to get past both the Red Bulls to finish fifth. Yes. Uh, getting a good haul of points for the team. Uh, really looking really looking racy all weekend. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then finally able to capitalize on that. Oh, yeah. He looked, race. I'm, you know, you know, I'm not the biggest Alonzo fan, but he looked good on Sunday. Yeah. He, they had a great strategy call and he had good pace and he kept it clean and did what he was supposed to do and finished in fifth. And like, yeah, it was just talk about a total 180 from Saturday because he, Definitely. you could have made the argument Saturday after his mistake and then his comments were like, what is this dude doing? Like, what a way, you know, as a McLaren fan, I'm like, this is awesome. Like, we're going to pass them up. This, they're, they're both going to finish outside the points. Yeah. We're going to have a double points finish. We'll get into my predictions later, but that was, I believe, on the list. And I, it, I was like, this is going to be great. Like, we're going to have this double points finish. We're going to close the gap and pass Alpine. And then just the way they perform, I'm like, oh, we'll get it done in the last race. But absolutely the total opposite of that. So exactly. I'll give credit to Alonso. Yeah, definitely good on them. And we'll jump into team highlights straight away. Alpine was up there. I think the, the, oh, yeah. their ability to capitalize on that. Uh, Double points finish after starting 17th and 18th or whatever in the race. Yeah, and they were, they really found the undercut. And I yes. think they utilized it more than any other team and, and yeah. really took advantage of that to jump Alonso up there. And then obviously the other ones, Mercedes taking that huge step forward, uh, continuing to show their ability to progress in the sport and, and continue to just dominate other teams throughout the season yeah i think this is the first time we've had not had red bull on this yeah i think it's the first time i think we've ever not had red bull on it which is surprising i think i made a comment was like i will always see them on this but a couple reasons though yes. you know not only their lack of pace in the race but also the unfortunate yes uh, kind of cloud that's hanging over them yes a big cloud well decision. there's been that cloud just getting getting bigger and bigger that's true all that's season true. it's a ginormous cloud now um a couple overtake highlights from the race so uh you know Despite all the stuff that happened with Max at the end, he did have that nice double overtake on uh, Checo, and I don't know who the other driver was. but Into turn one. Into turn one, a great double overtake. Um, in the sprint race, we had George on Max. That was some great racing, I will say. It was. From both sides. That was good, clean racing. Like That's what we like to see. Like They both respect each other. Like It was back and forth, so that was fun to see. Yeah, a lot of fun um, to watch. And then I think overall, like just talking about the track in terms of a lot of overtaking, um, I've definitely voiced that you know, this is one of my favorites, if not my favorite track on the calendar. There's just always great races here. Yeah. It's a great race weekend overall. Um, the track, you know, you have, it's, you have a high, you have, you know, long straights where the DRS actually works and people can get past. So you don't really get trains that mm -hmm. much. And then you have very technical parts of the track too. I think it's just like a nice mix of everything. Um, just an awesome track. And, you know, with these new cars too, I think it turned out even better because they were able to follow closely too. So you didn't get as much of those DRS trains, and then through the turns and stuff in, in Sector 2, you didn't get people falling back. You really keep it tight. And so we just saw great re great racing across the grid the whole weekend. Yeah, I think it's almost at a point where 
you know, you can think about your favorite tracks and there's obviously totally different reasons for that, yeah. right? But if we look at the tracks from last season, how we would judge them to this season, how we yeah. would judge them based on the races that we've seen there, yeah. I think it's worlds apart because of the differences in cars and the ability to yeah. to race close races. And so I think it's almost worth sitting down at the end of this season and just reevaluating that because, yeah. you know, Brazil, uh, Coda, all taking steps up yes. on my... And Brazil took a step up from what was a great race already last year. Unbelievable. But now, unbelievable. And now we're getting even better racing across the board this year. Exactly. So, yeah. And I think a lot yeah. of fun, you know, even to look into some of the newer races that yeah. we're going to have and even some of the older tracks. I think some of the older tracks that have been classic, maybe having less fun races this year. Yes. So really interesting kind of turn from the last two seasons yeah uh but definitely something to keep an eye on and maybe something we'll have to do a uh, special feature episode about i think we probably should i think we'll probably do an episode on re- we can go through all the tracks from this year and compare yeah. it to last year and then go into next year too but yeah definitely um we'll go ahead and get our predictions here and kind of start to wrap up the pod but um so for our predictions for pre-quality um so what we did was we did one for pre-qualifying we did two for the sprint race and then two and uh, order for the actual race uh, so I'll go through my pre-quality one first. Uh, my pre-quality one I do every single week. I've had Max, Max on pole. Um, didn't work out this week, which I was can't say I'm mad about because we have to say a K-Mag K pole. But that, I mean, again, I don't really put thought into that one. It's uh, that's If we did two predictions for quality, Max on pole would have been one of them. It's That's always going to be my prediction just because, I don't know, that's just always going to be my prediction. Fair enough. I went with... Uh, <laughs> I went with no McLarens into Q3, really thinking that Lando was still struggling a little bit after. They looked slow too. It, they, yeah, yeah, they didn't. They didn't look like they had the pace. But uh, Lando obviously able to do Lando yes. things and put it up in P4. Well, and, and he qualifying. was the toughest one. Was we were watching it together on your phone, and you said no McLarens into Q3, and then he was P1 at the end of Q1. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He pulled something out of the yeah. bag. Uh, unbelievable race from him. Yeah. Let's jump into the sprint race. I went with K-Mag off the podium. I expected him to slide down. Yeah. I guess, you know, even when I was thinking about it, I didn't expect him to slide down. As quickly as he did. Quickly and really as much. You yes. Know, I, 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 didn't, I thought four or five maybe he could finish in somewhere in there, maybe six, but he fell all the way to the last point. Yeah, I mean, you think about you have Norris behind you in fourth, and if you think about if he's able to start a maybe a train behind him, you have signs yeah. that can keep through, you know, can he – maybe just slide into a gap yeah. that forms somewhere in there. But uh, I mean, even Norris got past him in the exactly. Thing. And yeah. it w- looked like it looked easy. And I'm oh, not just, obviously I'm a Norris fan, but like the pace in the cars, like the McLaren was so much quicker than the Haas. Like it wasn't even close. Like it was an easy pass. All of them. All of them looked yeah. easy. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was pretty rough to watch K mag sliding back after that great rate or that great qualifying performance. But, uh, got that one right. Uh, it wasn't much of a stretch. And then my other one was one of the top three teams finish outside the top 10. And my thinking there is, you know, every, it feels like every sprint race we have somebody who just does something. And bends it has or contact, like has contact, yeah. And just loses out big yeah. time. And it, it did look like that for, you know, Alonzo and the Alpines initially, but they were able to fight their way back a little bit. I had initially predicted something like uh, somebody in the top 10 finishes 19 or 20th after yeah. spinning or crashing, but uh, decided to go with one of the top three. 
And I think, you know, I'm just starting to get a little more risky with my Yeah, that one was a little too risky, though, because the top three teams all finished one through six. It was very much in order, <laughs> yeah. I think they're finally starting to learn that sprint yes. races, you shouldn't try too much. Yeah, don't just save it for the race. Like, exactly. save it for the race. Um, all right, so for mine, I had Lando top six. He was seventh. Started sixth, though, because of penalties. But he was seventh. I just, same thought as you. I If, if, if you told me there'd be no instance, I would just say he's going to be seventh always. Um, I figured there'd be some kind of instance with at least one or two of the drivers up front, and then he would start being the top six result of that. So a close on that. And then I had one safety car just because, again, I feel like there's always incidents in sprint races, but there, I don't think there was a safety car in the sprint race either. So uh, I'm 0 for 3 now in predictions through pre-quality and pre-sprint, and then you guys are going to find out that for the race two, I missed every prediction. So I was a perfect – I was a clean – 0 for 6 this weekend on predictions. Um, so I'm going to my race predictions now. Now, I'm going to say this with a caveat, though. So for the race predictions, I did this. I sacrificed my predictions what I actually wanted to predict for the good of the reverse, reverse jinx. Well, let's let's clarify the podium because you definitely didn't. No, I didn't reverse. The podium is as I said the podium as is as a reverse jinx. No, I know. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying you should clarify that it was only the podium. Only the podium. Sorry. Jinx. Only the podium. Yes. Only the podium got... was reverse jinx, but I technically reverse jinxed everything in we, my predictions. That Yeah. Well, that's not fair. just the podium. Yeah. I was so I intended on I, I texted Tyler and I said, I'm going to go with my podium as Max George Lewis, one, two, three. And that was solely because I wanted to see Mercedes win. And I thought if I say as a Mercedes winning, and I put Max not in first, Max will win. So that paid off for me in a reverse way. It, it paid off. I did appreciate that. I, yeah. That was that was also for you, for your sake. That Especially was for your after sake as well. committing to Max Paul. Because, like, everyone knows the memes are, like, in, for example, in the NFL, when all the analysts pick the same team. If me and you both would have gone with, because I would have also said what your podium was, which you had Hamilton, Russell, Max, I would have said the same thing mm-hmm. if I was actually predicting. We could not have had that because it would have been both the Mercedes would DNF'd. That's exactly what would have happened. Yeah. So together on the first not that line. I'm taking credit for Mercedes win this weekend, but if they want to give me a smaller version of the trophy, I would accept that as well. Well, the real strategy comes here from yes. your favorite podcast. Yes, exactly. So that one, I will say the caveat that that was all just thrown out the window to reverse jinx it, which it worked. My other two predictions also were reverse jinxes unintentionally. So I had one of the top six to DNF. Again, I just thought there'd be some chaos and somebody would crash. We almost had it. I thought Leclerc was going to have a DNF from that Lando incident, but he still finished a race. Three of the top six involved in collisions. In collisions and no one DNF. So we'll I got call it half a point. We'll call it half a point, yeah. I'll give myself half for that. Uh, and then both McLaren's and the point, that one was legitimate where I thought Lando was starting sixth. Again, I'm never – if he finishes a race, as long like the engine ended up blowing out, so that caused that. I'm always going to say he's going to finish seventh because that's pretty much how it's been this year. I think I even like figured it out earlier. Like if you look, he has the most seventh place finishes of anybody. And if you like do his average points per race, it comes out to finishing seventh, like basically every race. Um, so that would have been like, that was my reasoning there is like he was for sure going to be in the points. And then Ricardo was starting the race in 11th. And I thought, all right, you have Gassi ahead of him. The McLaren's quicker than that car. You have Magnuson ahead of him. The McLaren's quicker than that car. He can probably sneak up to ninth then maybe 10th at worst, and it's a double-point finish for them. And it would have been awesome. We would have had a double-point finish, no points for Alpine. That was the plan. That's how it should have been. And I completely jinxed everything this race in my prediction. That was our plan. but I jinxed every single thing I could have possibly jinxed 
yeah this this weekend with my predictions yeah definitely didn't go well um i I didn't have the greatest luck in in the sprint race but kind of capitalized in the race i uh, went with the podium of hamilton george max i really figured that hamilton was going to be able to to get past his teammate there and I would say probably would have if he didn't get in that collision with Max and fall yes, back. Yes, I think he so, would have won the race had he not fallen back. Yeah, probably would have would have looked more like it, and obviously Max would have been up there as well if that yeah. was not the case. Uh, moving down, I had Mick finishing above K-Mag. Not the way I wanted to see it happen. Yeah, a little bit of a Mickey Mouse win there, but it will count. But it did. I mean, <laughs> you never know. Mick, yeah. Mick looked really good in the sprint he race. He did look good in the sprint race. In the actual race, it was just an average race but yeah, yeah he moved up from 20th after qualifying to 12th in the sprint yeah. race and, and looked really good able to to pass the cars race them in in points where you typically don't race other yeah. cars so a really good race for him and uh you know not really able to capitalize in the race itself finishing 13th but uh k-mag was even lower than that so got that one and then my second one was a safety car uh we got two so yeah Almost. Eh, I called half a Yeah, point. I know. I mean, you got it. You called at least – I would classify that as at least one safety car. That's how I did that prediction. That's fair. Because yeah. there – I mean, you could have said – like, there were none in the sprint, so you could have gone bold and been like, I'm going to guess none in the race too. Like, Yeah, but I did. I did. You did get a safety car, which was good. That would have – that made some drama. Yeah. I kind of uh, kind of went off of my sprint race. I went K-Mag sliding down, you know, just continued yeah. that trend. Can you continue, continue to slide down? Yeah. Yeah. And then a safety yeah. car with one of the top three outside yeah. of the top. Yeah. Three. And I did mine for the good of the people. Yeah. <laughs> did mine for, I did mine for you. I did mine. I was like, I knew you were going to text me, Willis George Max. I knew that's what you're going to say. And I'm like, I cannot say the same thing as him or both the Mercedes with DNF. Yeah. Um, let's, let's go yeah. ahead and touch on some standings changes. Um, I think the biggest one is, is Perez and Charles Leclerc. Uh, even on points yes. now going into the last race. That's going to be what we're looking out for in that race is that's the only thing that really matters. It'll be a, and Hamilton looking to keep a streak alive. I think yes, the, the I think that if they here. come pacey again, I it's one of those things too. It's like, it'll be interesting to see if, if Mercedes come again and they look like they did in Brazil, which they won't. I don't think they will. They've never been great around Abu Dhabi. No, they've been terrible around Abu Dhabi. They've never been a good team in general. So yeah, they, I mean, they anomaly, saw. yeah. Um, but let's just say in a wild world that they do come with the same pace and they are one, two, and they are close like they were this time. Do you, if George is in first, do you say to him like, Hey, let's do a little swap here. So Lewis can notch his win streak again. No, cause I could, I don't think they would, but I could see them potentially pulling that out. Maybe, uh, if Hamilton was in the position to be second, I don't think he would finish second. I think he would do everything in his power to finish first. I'm saying if he was on the last lap, like it was this one, he wasn't going to finish in first. I don't know. Luckily, I don't yeah. have to make those calls. No. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, but I think, or I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, we're in standings changes. So the the next one, I think the the other important yes, one was the Alpine, Alpine one. Yes. Unfortunate for you. I'll yes. let you announce that one. Yeah. So Alpine, I mean, they're clear of McLaren now by like twenty something points um, going into the last race. So that's going to be unless we get a double out. Unless we get a double Alpine DNF and Lando wins the race. Which would be a dream. I mean, you need a lot That's of. That's not going to happen. You need a backup from. I will. As well. I yes, I will. Another caveat here, though, for myself, just to make myself feel better. Lando is twenty-seven points ahead of Ocon for best of the rest. Yeah, you can only get twenty-six in a race weekend. Locked. So Lando will finish, and I think deservingly so. Absolutely. The best of the rest drivers, which I you don't as a McLaren fan, like obviously I want to see them fighting for race wins and podiums and stuff, but like they didn't have that this year, and they looked terrible in that first race. And so for him to take 
And I, I think you could argue that Alpine has been the better car for the second half of the season. They've been probably the better car for, for most, most of the, the season. season. For Lando to be 20 points, 27 points clear of the that first place Alpine driver and score 111 points in the season with that car, I think it shows his skill and it shows like what he could do if he had a better car. Um, and like I said, if you average out his points per race and st- like everything points to P7, so he's always. It's not just like a fluke. I think. I think it's it's legitimate. Like he was, you had your top six drivers who he was never going to clear unless things happened. And it gives you a lot of excitement about Piastri next year. I think it does. Yeah, I think it does because it's you're going to get an improvement there. Like if Ricardo wasn't such a stinker like he was this year, like it would have it would have been a blowout. McLaren would have blown out Alpine. They'd be forty points ahead right now. Yeah. Like it's if Ricardo even had halfway more decent performances even if he had 70 points right now mclaren would be clear by 20 something mm-hmm. so like i think that yeah, is makes you excited for next year and then i think too like if they can i'm not saying they're gonna be fighting for race wins but if they can get back to where they were in 2021 where they're a legitimate threat for podiums at least and like in that top five top six like can battle um i think even that's exciting so i will caveat with that you know the constructors 1p4 is out of reach but it is nice to see Lando, deservedly so, lock up that best of the rest title. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the Paddock Rumors off-track notes. I don't know if we had a ton here. I think one that I wanted to bring up a little bit, I guess, is the development aspect. And it sounds yes. like Red Bull have not had the ability to develop later on in the season. Ferrari, Ferrari at the beginning of the season had a lot of expectation that they were going to push off their development because they had such a fast car at the start and then going to be able to come with a really strong push at the end of the season. And none of that happened. And I think a lot of that from what I've heard is, is down to the cost cap and how they handle themselves throughout the season. I don't know how we haven't touched on this yet, but you keep going. Go ahead. Just a really tough, I mean, way to finish the season. They turn to next year really quick. And I think that comes down to the cost cap. They just didn't have the ability to continue to spend and, I don't know if that's because they had so many new parts because they had, they were involved in a lot of collisions or you know even beaching it in the gravel a yeah. lot of uh, DNFs for them, but just a really kind of a, a 180 from the beginning of the season of where they were and where they expected to be at the end of the year. Yes, uh, for Ferrari, that's I I think they thought they were gonna have like you said a lot left in the tank at the end to put make a push, but. I think it's twofold. I think it's one, they ran out because of the cost cap. And then also they're looking at whatever they're at. Like we're not fighting for the world title. So like, let's focus on next year. Yeah. So we'll see how that pans out. It almost costs them P2. Yes, it could still, if things don't fall right, it could still. But um, I think the interesting thing is we didn't touch on this because it came out kind of in between podcasts, but it came out then that Red Bull, uh, you know, ended up kind of accepting their, their punishment or whatever, but then also like stopped spending this year. Because they were going to be over again this year, yep. and we talked about this. I said, "What's it to say if they if we didn't find out till October that they're over? They're probably like, let's just go over every year because they won't find out or they won't care, mm-hmm. and they're going to be over again this year. And then they had to stop because of all of it. There was a lot of things that came out that a lot of the people within the team were shocked when they were the only team over, yeah, by a significant amount because because that exact theory yeah. you know they thought that they would be able to get away with spending over yes. and get a slap on the wrist and yeah uh, i think even though what they got is a little bit below uh, what would keep them from ever spending over again yeah uh, i think i think know, the publicity was enough absolutely itself to be like let's absolutely. not do this again but that was wild to see we called that that, that was the easiest thing to call in the world 
I, if I was them, I would have done this. If it takes till October to find out, why not just? Yeah. And like we talked about, you know, if you guys haven't seen like on our YouTube channel, go check out the the video we did on the cost cap breach and goes into everything with that. But you know, what's to say like all teams like why why shouldn't um, Lauren Stroll with his billions billions of dollars, yeah, not just spend five hundred million over on the car, dominate the championship and win, and then just take like a one season ban after? Mm-hmm. Like why not? You get a championship out of it, like. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. You know, I think they'll put some harder regulations in, uh, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And I think another big point about this is, you know, we look again at the development that, that uh, the Mercedes car has yeah. been able to take just this season. Yeah. The way that they've had to have managed their cost cap compared yeah. to other teams and utilize that cost cap in such a way that, you know, they're outperforming with the least amount of uh you know, wind tunnel time on yes. the grid. Yeah, they've had the least amount of time the whole season. So, you know, that just shows that they're, they're that organization really has a down, and I think yeah. that's just another foreshadowing till next season when they take what we expect yes. to be another step forward. Yeah, and seeing jokes, a joke would be what is true, seeing someone finally found the Red Bull financial accountant position that went live, like, in the last couple of weeks. So, yeah. so definitely need to account over there. But uh, the other rumor that kind of circulated a little bit today which ferrari has denied is that bonotto is going to be out as mm-hmm. team principal and um who do they it's after the guy uh frederick right friends talk front no that's frederick Vassour. frederick, Vassour. frederick Vassour. <laughs> so frederick Vassour, not france toss is the alpha tori guy yeah, yeah. Uh, frederick Vassour, the team principal of alfa romeo is rumored by some italian newspaper some Italian rep- news reporting service, whatever yeah. it is, to be the next team principal starting next year. Now, Ferrari tweeted then, came out and said, these have no base. These are just, like, rumors. They didn't fully deny but it. But they didn't deny it. And then when Alfa Romeo was asked about it, they just said no, no comment. comment. So yeah. I think it's it makes sense. He's been – it's been a disaster strategy year for them. Um, I – it makes sense why Ferrari leadership would be upset with it. And they, again, we talked about this in the middle of the year thing. There is just no reason that they should be this close to Mercedes for P2. Um, There's a lot that's come out about how Bonato is really just an engineer. Yeah. He's a great engineer. Yes. You know, and, and I'm sure, I mean, to be in that team, he's got to be a great engineer and he's he's taken the team forward for sure. No doubt. But you know, to manage a team, it's especially yeah. to manage a team that's fighting at the front, yeah. just comes with so much more. And I think, you know, between the strategy and even the way that they've handled some of those some of those things in the press where, you know, he's always like, We're not doing anything wrong. Yeah. But then, you know, next week they're admitting fault for something else. Yeah. Like it's just been kind of a chaotic season for them. Yeah. And I think they're catching a lot of heat. And we talked about this as our at our mid season predictions. You know, I predicted that he would get sacked at the end of the year. Yeah trying to go a little bit fringe and change it up but yeah you know i think it's more of a fan base coming after the organization rather than an organization itself but actually what i've been hearing is that it's the owner of ferrari the the one that's ahead bonotto is really on opposite on an opposite track than than bonotto so we'll see where it goes obviously we'll keep you updated but uh will definitely be interesting to see yeah uh, where they decide to go yeah i think it's it finishes up real quick i think the I think as a team principal, you need a certain edge and like swagger to you. And like we look at, or like I don't know, like, you just have to be. Total. You just have to be. To- yeah, you have to be total. Or like even if you look at the other ones, like I know we're not the biggest fan of Horner, but like he has an edge to him, and like it's it works, right? Like he, but like I feel like Benoit just is like 
he does not a decision maker. Like he's just like too scared to make a decision or make a call. Yeah. And he's just like, and that gets into, I know it's not his, him doing that, but it's coming down to him. We're like during the race, they'll be like, what do you think about this strategy? What do you, you think about this? I think it like, you gotta be known for something to be yes. a team manager. Right. And you think about Bonotto and how many times does he just have the clown hair on? And yes. A nose on. The, the clown mean. Yes, I agree. Um, but that pretty much wraps up this episode. Um, unfortunately we only have one race left this season. Uh, we have Abu Dhabi coming up. Um, well, you know, it's go ahead. Expect some content from us over the off season. Yes. Keep yeah. Involved. We'll keep you involved. We'll do a ton of content over the off season. We have a bunch of different ideas of things that we'll be able to talk about, but you know, initial thoughts, you know, hopefully another good battle this weekend. Hopefully Mercedes can keep that same pace. And we can see another good battle. Um, I think you and I both, it's going to be the dog Vietnam meme for a lot of the weekend too. Um, I can guarantee you they're going to show replays of that last lap a thousand times. They're going to talk about it the entire weekend. The press conferences, everything's going to be around that, which is that part of it's going to suck. But I think it it should be a good race, I would hope. And like, it'll I don't be, know. It'll be very interesting to see how different people, different teams handle the, the entire situation of just yeah. getting back, including the FIA, honestly. Yes. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But yeah, we're uh, any, anything else before we head over to uh, Abu Dhabi? No. Nah. Looking forward to it. Bah.